in a new series called Mythbusters, and I don't know if you've ever seen the show. I, I, I like the show, but basically what they do is they take some myth, like some urban legend or whatever, and if you do this, then you'll get this, and they, they put it to the test, and then <clears throat> the myth either becomes busted, meaning that it, it, it was never true, or, or it is actually true that if you do the X, you get Y, and all this kind of stuff, or, or it's just inconclusive. They, they couldn't quite get the right thing in the, in the right way, and I, the, I started thinking about the different things we talk about as Christians or just as people that sound right and they sound good and and there might even be some elements of truth in it but really if we just spend some time thinking about it and going over it and maybe looking into the Bible and seeing is this really true some of these things might be busted and uh, the one we're going to talk about this morning and uh, again just kind of a word of warning Typically what I try to do on a Sunday morning is I try to share with you an element of truth in the word and then I try to make that applicable to your life so that tomorrow, I, as you know, those of you who have been here a long time, I always talk about Monday morning either on your commute or when you get to work or how is this going to play out this particular week. Uh, there's none of that <laughs> at the end of this sermon. As a matter of fact, you might walk away with more questions uh, than you had before. And maybe you'll walk away kind of really pondering, what, what exactly do I believe? How does this really fit in? Maybe I believe that myth or maybe I agree that it isn't a myth and I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to the pastor um, who's happy to buy you pizza next week in my office if you want to talk about it. Um, but here, here's, the, here's kind of the first uh, myth that we want to talk about. Everything happens for a reason or... God won't give you more than you can handle. Now these are sayings that we use oftentimes when someone is going through something tragic. And we, we, we kind of, and if you're like me, when someone's sharing something really deeply personal and emotional and difficult, there's something in me and something that I think in all of us that just kind of wants to say something to make it better. And sometimes the thing that comes out of our mouth is this platitude. Well, every, everything happens for a reason. And, and if you think about it, and, 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 and some of you, even as I look at the looks in your face, some of you are like, well, that is totally true. And, and so there's already a beginning to wrestle with, well, wait, wait a minute. But here's what I want to do before we get into the story that we're going to talk about this morning. I want us just to logically start thinking about some of these things at a little deeper level than just kind of throwing out a platitude of God won't give you more than you can handle because this comes up oftentimes, this line of thinking comes up oftentimes even when I'm counseling with people. A while back, I was counseling someone whose family member uh, got cancer and their answer to me was, I think I needed a wake-up call. So theologically, God gave your family member cancer to wake you up. Have you shared this with the family member? <laughs> like, hey, really sorry you got cancer. I really needed a wake-up call. So uh, sorry about that. You can kind of see as we take these things down the road, they're really hard. And what I want to do this morning is mess with your head 
Because I want you to understand the tension of what happens as we come into different lines of thought. And so theologically or denominationally or all this kind of stuff, there's two camps, okay? One is called Calvinism. And in the Calvin camp, it was, it was hundreds of years ago, this guy named Calvin uh, uh, came up with this line of thinking that God predestined, God said from the very beginning of time, he woke up one morning and he went, bink, uh, I dream a genie and everything's set in stone and it's going to work its way out all the way. He woke up and he said, this many people are going to heaven, this many people are going to hell, this is the best way to do it, blunk, and you're done and there's nothing you can do about it. You are, all of you are depraved, which I've been saying for years, but anyway, I got the idea from John Calvin, but that this idea that you, you're set in stone, okay? That's the one camp. Now, in that camp are all sorts of lines of thinking. All I've done is just placed a label at the farthest end. It's called five-point Calvinism, and it's just, that it's the harshest. This camp over here, you guys, are what we call Arminianism. Not Arminianism, that's a race. Arminianism, okay? And so that line of thinking says, guess what? You actually have a personal choice in the matter. Now, we love camps. We love labels. We love to divide theology right down the middle into two nice, right? We love... Hey, are you a Democrat? I know everything about you because you're a Democrat. Are you a Republican? I know all about... We love camps. Dodgers, Angel... I mean, pick pick the camp you want to be in. But it's much, much, much more complicated than that, especially as we come into the area of tragedy and we come into the area of emotional pain. And we think about the fact, did my spouse leave me because God wanted to get my attention? And we start asking questions like, okay, if God's so loving, why is there evil in the world, right? We have all, who has not thought of that? If you haven't, get on it, okay? That's a really tough question. And if, if, if everything happens for a reason, then what, what's the point in even kind of going on with life. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then you get into this whole thing of God having emotions. He gets angry. Well, if everything happens for a reason and he woke up one morning, did an I dream a genie, how can he get angry? He, he knows it's going to happen. It's like watching the same movie a hundred times. At some point, you kind of know what's coming next. Well, how does that work? How does God get happy? How is he pleased? How is he, how is he, why does he need to forgive? What, all these types of things. I have a, this, this is kind of the way I like to say, everything happens for a reason, but sometimes things happen because you're stupid and make bad decisions, right? (laughs) It's kind of a Calvin Arminian different thing, right? But see, Therein lies the tension of it. And as I begin to ask questions, some of us get uncomfortable, like, oh, I don't, can you, are you even allowed to ask, ask that question? Are you allowed to probe deeper and deeper and deeper? And this week, what I hope I leave you with at the end of this sermon is that you'll go, man, I, you know what, I don't, 
I don't know what I think. That's the one thing I want you to come away with. Man, I, I need to keep processing this. I need to go into God's word and, and, and see what does it mean? What does it say? Because there are verses. I can pick out a verse and sit over here and convince you you should be a Calvinist. My dad is. He's a Presbyterian pastor. I can convince you. Or I can take a whole bunch of verses over here and convince all of you. I guess I have to do that opposite because you convince you guys you're Calvinist and you guys you're Arminian. Right? right? What, what does it mean to follow a God that is beyond all we can think about or imagine? And how does that really hit us in our own uh, spiritual life? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And um, I, picked a, I picked a story that we're going to go through that, uh, that kind of wraps everything up in a really nice bow. And it sounds like, hey, everything happens for a reason. So what are you going to do? But, oh, the second thing I wanted to do, the first was to mess with your mind and have you think at a deeper level. The second thing I wanted to do was take out of your vocabulary forever when you're talking to someone else the term, everything happens for a reason. You want to use it on yourself, do it all day long. We had a young girl tragically die um, and not here in this church, but someone I know of. And at the funeral, someone came up to the parents and said, I guess God just needed another flower in his garden. So let, let's go on and, and we'll, we'll talk about that um, in a little bit. Not about that one person, but um, kind of how these platitudes and these little things can, uh, can affect us. Cool. Now, a man named Lazarus. Now, all of you guys already, I said Lazarus, you already know the story, and you're like, ah, okay, don't do that, okay? Watch, watch what happens. You know it, oh, well, it ends with him being raised from the dead. Oh, sorry, I let the cat out of the bag. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So it's really cool. I, this is what I love about the Bible. You guys need to continue to read your Bible. It's awesome. Is that when John wrote this, he's, he's trying to explain to the people who get this for the first time, they go and they go, oh, that's right. I remember that. Okay, it's a famous story. And they probably heard it uh, firsthand, a, a lot of them. Okay, uh, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. In other words, Jesus is saying, everything happens for a reason, right? That's what it sounds like. It sounds like somebody's going to Jesus and saying, hey, could you come heal Lazarus? And he's going, hey, don't worry. Uh, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that the son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. Now watch what his disciples say, because this is beginning to, we're starting to invite more people into the story. But Rabbi, where am I? Uh, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews uh, there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Remember that? 
Yeah, the disciples, guess what happens if Jesus gets stoned? The, yeah, uh-huh. So they're, I'm sure they're concerned about Jesus, but I'll bet the first time Jesus in his sovereignty ducked and Peter got hit in the head with a rock or whatever, and everyone's like, hey guys, we're not, we don't really want to do that again, Jesus. Remember, it was just a really short time ago. Look, see, still there, right? Okay, so this is what they're saying to him. Now watch what Jesus says. Oh, whoops. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jesus answered. Like, bizarre answer. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And the disciples are like, oh, okay, let's go get hit with rocks then. I mean, what kind of answer is that? (laughs) Are there not 12 hours of daylight? In other words, Jesus is beginning to give this idea, this is an opportunity for something to happen. Now, all of a sudden, we're starting to get a different language than everything happens for a reason. As a matter of fact, I'll give you kind of the one point I have for this morning. And you can write it down in your notes if you want. But you can meet God in any situation. Any situation, you can meet God. That's a little different than everything happens for a reason. In every situation, you can meet God. Jesus tells his disciples, look, you got so much daylight. You got so much opportunity. We got to move now, okay? After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up, (laughs) right? His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Let him sleep. Don't wake him up. He's going to get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Why? Because he said sleep. That's why they believed that. Okay? So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I was not there. Wow. You mean... Jesus let Lazarus die so that his disciples could see something? Hmm. Sounds like everything happens for a reason. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. And then one of this is another one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it's just so human. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of his disciples, well, let's also go that we may die with him. In other words, yep. He or... Let us also go that we may die with him. Right? But you're starting to get a sense of the humanity of what happens when we're faced with different situations. I mean, for Thomas, this is real stuff. He, Jesus, they were going to throw rocks at Jesus to kill him. Sticks and stones can break your bones and your head. And so they're just like, Man, I don't want to have rocks thrown at me. And Jesus is saying, look, there's 12 hours in the day. There's an opportunity here. Something's going to go down. You can meet God in any situation. So they say, let us go. And so uh, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. That's kind of important because what they believed back then is that the, your spirit would hover over the body for three days. But at four days, 
even that spirit's like, eh, nothing ain't gonna happen, and then the spirit takes off. I don't know why they believe that, but, you know, we just look at, you know, we tried it for a minute and a half or however long, or there's a flat line, and we kind of go, hey, it's over. They, they, they gave it three days. Jesus waits four days. So even for them, it's like, it's done. And that three-day period also helped them in the grieving process, so it's not like they were stupid. It's just... That, that was the deal. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. I think, I, I just want you to connect with Martha and Mary. So they send word to Jesus, and they say, hey, our brother's sick, and then they go through the process of watching him die. He's there on the bed or whatever. They're putting cold rags on his head or whatever. We don't know exactly what it was that he had. But they sit by his bedside and watch him die. This is the emotion that they're going through. They ask Jesus to do something. And you're going, in our minds, we're going, yeah, but John, you already told us the end of the story. Lazarus raises from the dead, right? I mean, Jesus kind of did come through, but he came through later and that even makes it more cool. Except for the fact that many of us are dealing with right now Jesus not doing that. And there's a good chance for a lot of us we're going to go through these things and he'll never raise him from the dead. They won't be healed. And where is God in that situation? So watch. He says, uh, when Martha heard that he was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Why do you think Mary stayed at home? Why would you stay at home? I'll tell you why I'd stay at home. If, if I was Mary and I busted out a whole thing of perfume that was worth a year's wages to show Jesus how much I loved him and I wiped my hair on his feet and I, I cleaned his feet with my tears and I gave this wonderful, probably one of the most beautiful expressions of worship ever. And I hung out with Jesus and I knew Jesus loved me and I asked Jesus to heal my brother. All he had to do was show up and now he shows up and it's too late. I think I'd stay home. I, I think I'd be really upset that might be right where you are right now. I, mean, I go to church. I became a Christian. I started giving money even. And all of a sudden, you're going through something that is just, you're just like, where, where is God in this? See, I don't have an answer to tie at the end of this sermon up with a little bow to help you. Well, I, I kind of do, but we'll get to it in a second. All right. So here's what, here's what Martha says to Jesus, like we'd all say. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And doesn't that go through our minds? We just sang, nothing is impossible. I had to sing it again. Nothing is impossible. So then where's God? And then she goes on to this. I mean, watch her dilemma. This is so real. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And so you think, man, she really, she gets it. She's saying, you know, even if you, right now, you can raise him from the dead. I, I, I get that. 
Jesus said, your brother will rise again. So you think she'd go, cool, that's exactly what I was talking about. But there's this inner turmoil that happens when we go through tragedy, when we go through pain. And Jesus just doesn't, he gives her the answer, but she still doesn't get it. Watch what she says. Well, I know he will rise again at the resurrection of the last day. Like, I, like I've got the bigger kind of big, you know, spiritual picture. And Jesus says this famous line, I'm the resurrection and the life. All of a sudden, we're starting to get even deeper than just everything happens for a reason. We're starting to get into this idea that God can be met in any situation. This relationship with Jesus can actually impact every single situation we might come in contact with. The one who believes in me will live even though they die even though there's tragedy. Let me let you in on a little secret, okay? Again, spoiler alert, Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. It's going to be awesome, okay? Another spoiler alert, Lazarus is dead, okay? He didn't make it to our... There was some day Lazarus was going to lie on that bed and they were going to watch him die. There's some day we're all going to die, <laughs> Everybody cool with that? Okay, let's go on. Oh, I'm sorry. He says, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me uh, will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Now watch what she does. This is pretty cool, and it gives you another... Uh, idea of, of um, what's going on. Uh, oh, yeah, there we go. Oh, I keep going backwards. I should not be allowed to hold this. Ah, oh, there we go. Yeah, after that, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. This is like such a intimate time. Think of Mary and all the emotions she's feeling. She loved Jesus and she felt Jesus' love. She gave a lot to show Jesus how much she loved him and how much she worshiped, worshiped him. And now Jesus is asking for her and so she can't contain herself and she gets up quickly and she went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. And look what she says. Same thing Mary said. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, this is where everything gets convoluted and makes my head spin is the next section of scripture here. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Why? 
He already knew what was going to happen. He already told the disciples, oh, I'm glad I wasn't there. Glad Lazarus died. Because you, you get to see something awesome. This makes no sense, really. If everything happens for a reason, and God just, oh, yeah, whatever, yeah, but don't worry about it, everything's got, why would he feel anything? And yet, the God of the universe, in human form, displayed in Jesus Christ, feels stuff. Now, let's say you're going through something. A loss. A really crummy loss. Which God is next to you? The, what they call impassable God, the one that doesn't feel, the one that just says, hey, I woke up one morning and this is the, this is the plan. You don't trust me. Everything works out for a reason. Or the one who looks on you and feels what you're feeling. Now, again, all these things are not just easy little tags we can throw on things. You have God deeply moved in spirit and troubled who already knew what was going to happen. Already God has become more complex than just this idea of a great grandfather in the sky. Now watch, watch. So he's deeply moved and troubled. Where have you laid him? I look at this and I go, I wonder if he really knew where they laid him and he's just doing this. A lot of us shaking our heads. Oh yeah, I know he knew. Yeah, because he's Jesus. Jesus knows everything. Yeah. They say, come and see, Lord. And Jesus wept. Does that, like, am I the only one here that just looks at that and goes, he wept? Okay, dudes, I just want to talk to the guys. We're not criers by nature, typically. Some of you are. I know some of you. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know, whatever. Okay. So some of us aren't criers and we, we you know, I am. So I kind of identify with this. But I wouldn't be if I knew I was going to raise someone from the dead. I'd be like, so where have you laid him? Because just point the way. <laughs> and trust me, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> like, seriously, this is going to blow your mind. Post this on Facebook now. Get to my place. Hashtag is going to be awesome. Like, 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 wouldn't you, if you knew you were going to raise someone from the dead, what's he crying for? Honestly, ask yourself the question. Why is Jesus crying right now? See, this throws everything into weirdness. Be because he's feeling at a time when he should be all-knowing. And he already knows. Now watch the next verse. Then the Jews said to him, and this is exactly what we say, see how he loved him. In other words, man, Jesus is really feeling this. Is he faking? Is this like part of an act? 
Okay, where have you laid him? And if I show some tears, then it'll really make it look powerful. Like, what's going on? And so there's this idea that, man, Jesus is really showing love. Look how he loved him. But then there's this other thing. Well, could he not have opened the eyes of the blind man? Couldn't he have kept this man from dying? Like, thanks for feeling, but couldn't you have done something? See, now I think we're way closer than everything happens for a reason to the heart of God. This idea of, man, he feels that. He feels what we're going through. He understands that Jesus really did have compassion when he looked over the crowds. But he's still God. And then he goes on again. Once more, deeply moved, he came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, <laughs> for he's been in there four days. You know what's really cool? We don't, we don't use the King James Bible in this church. You can if you want. It doesn't, it's not like we're against it. But one of the greatest lines ever is in the King James Version. It says, he stinketh, right? <laughs> Feel free to just use that at home. You know, your husband comes in from working on the yard. He stinketh. And you're just, I'm just quoting scripture, right? Got a little baby. You know, you're changing the diaper. He stinketh. It's, it's, just, it's incredibly spiritual when you use it in those terms. Right? By this time, there's a bad odor. It's been there for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? Now again, oh, everything happens for a reason. Then why were you crying just two verses ago? What, what is it about God that can be all-powerful and yet feel? You look through Scripture, he can be jealous. Well, if you started everything from the beginning of time, you know it's going to end. How are you jealous? You did it. He can be angry. There are some verses that hint that maybe he can have his mind changed, which, wow, what, what is that? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and he gives this awesome prayer that has nothing to do with, he, he just, listen to what he says. Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. Like, can you imagine? I pray, Lord, we're going to pray for ELI. I know you hear me, but for these poor saps out here, I just wanted to show that I can pray to you, right? What's he doing? For the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And just to put a really nice bow on it, therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. And everybody looked at Mary and Martha and said, hey, guys, Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> now, I could have done the story about John the Baptist, who gave his whole life leading up, lived in the desert, ate locusts and honey. You can put honey on a lot of stuff, but I, I don't know. And he, he was, looked like a madman, camel hair robe, which is not very comfortable. I would imagine. I don't have one. Right? 
gets put in prison and Jesus is there and he's in prison and he sends a message to, to Jesus and he says, dude, are you the Messiah? Because I need to know I'm in prison right now. And Jesus says, send back this word. The lame walk, the dead are raised, the blind see, and the gospel is being preached to the poor. Awesome. And then John the Baptist gets his head chopped off. It's okay, though, because everything happens for a reason. Is that what you say to John the Baptist's mom? <laughs> see, I think it's more complicated than that. I think there is a kernel of truth in the fact that things can happen that God can use. But I think a better way to say it and a better way to experience it is to sit with somebody through the pain with our mouths shut and we go through the process of grieving with them, saying nothing, experiencing it. This is what I think the church is for. Not to come up with trite sayings of, hey, it'll all work out in the end. Oh, you know, in eternity, this isn't going to matter. To sit with Tears streaming down your face, just like Jesus, and go, man, I don't know. This is really lame. What you're going through really sucks. But we're going to be here for you. We're going to see you through it. And then, some point down the road, maybe that person might come to the conclusion that everything happens for a reason. Or they might come to the conclusion that Jesus is enough. That I can meet God in almost any situation and can grow. I'm going to read one more scripture as, as uh, Jason comes back up. It's found in Romans and the first thing you look at it, you'll think, oh yeah, this is the verse we quote. Everything happens for a reason. For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him have been called according to his purpose. Your version might say, I know that all things work together for good for those who love. It's a bad translation. This is a better one. In all things God works for the good I personally don't believe that God wakes up in the morning and says oh these husbands need to cheat on their wives because I got to get their attention these people need to be murdered because I've got this other thing over here and if if that doesn't happen then I don't then God becomes the author of the sin that he keeps telling us not to do now, I don't know how it all plays out. My mind, I have this brain of a walnut size, okay? I, it's hard. But I know this. I know that I know that I know that. I can meet God in any situation. And I can press into him. And he loves me. As a matter of fact, watch this. So we have that verse. And right after this verse is a whole bunch of verses that say basically almost, well, you're predestined and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, what? I, I don't know. I don't get it. Watch verse 38. So cool. For I'm convinced neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present or the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation. Nothing you're going through right now will be able to separate us from the love of God, that God that feels, that understands, and that's with you now. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, I know a lot of our stories, and uh, I know a lot of the stories of what you're going through right now. And I think as a church, 
This is what we're all about. This is why we promote small groups so much. You are not designed to go on it alone and just have some Hallmark card delivered to you that says everything happens for a reason. But as a community of people, we invest in each other's lives and we sit with each other in just presence going, man, I, I don't know. I don't know why this is happening. But I know this. We can somehow meet God here. Nothing will separate us from His love. 